Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Morning. My name's Andrew. Those who don't know me. And uh, my wife's sitting just over there, Cara. And we've got two sons, Luke. Oh, two sons, one son. Jeez, do we have two sons? I don't think so. <laughs> we, have, we have a son and a daughter. Uh, Luke, our son, and uh, Ava, our daughter. And um, it's my privilege just to share a little bit this morning. And yeah, pretty much still on the theme of father. Um, I thought after Rochelle's beautiful sharing now, I could just say amen and we could all go get some coffee. <laughs> But I think God still wants to say something to us this morning, not just to the dads, but to all of us. Uh, So let's just open our hearts and really trust God to speak. We are here to hear God's voice and to understand Him better and to receive from Him and to be changed by Him and to be healed by Him, to be empowered by Him. He loves it. He loves doing that. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now into our midst. We thank you for your presence God, that you bring into our midst. We thank you for your peace, your joy, everything that you are, Lord, your largeness and your holiness. And we rest on you this morning. We lift up our arms to you and we say that we receive you, God, and and thank you that you are here in our midst, Lord. Thank you for opening our ears to hear your voice. Thank you, Lord, that when we hear your voice, we are at rest, God, and we have peace. And uh, we thank you for that this morning, Lord. And we give this word to you and we pray, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 First of all, I try to take off my jacket, but it's too cold to take off my jacket. (laughs) So I'm going to be wearing my jacket up here. Um, I actually wanted, I had an idea of of reading uh, the Lord's Prayer in Zulu. And then I thought maybe it will be a better idea to get someone who speaks Zulu to read the Lord's Prayer in Zulu. And then I thought, let's get other languages too. So I think it was quite special to, to hear the Lord's Prayer in various languages, uh, not just even South African languages, but other languages too. Um, such a special prayer, uh, especially if you think about Jesus, the Son of God, is teaching us how to pray to God the Father. It's, it's quite special if you think about it like that. Uh, definitely take time to meditate on that, on that prayer uh, and think about each line and why Jesus is teaching us uh, that specific prayer. Uh, it's definitely worth spending time on it, maybe even today. But we're going to speak about a few different things today. Uh, I want to start just by speaking about or kind of just highlighting the world's interest or infatuation or with the father figure. It's very interesting to like look even into pop culture, popular culture, and think, you know, there's so many movies about the relationship of fathers and their sons, but even beyond their sons, their children, uh, there's so many. I, I wrote a few of them down. Uh, one movie that stood out to me, and I remember watching it years ago, uh, one of the new Superman movies, um, and even yesterday I went back to one of the old Superman movies, there's a lot of interaction between Superman and his real dad. Um, he's got a funny name, Yor-El, or hey? for the Superman. Kal-El is Superman's name. His dad is, I think, Yor-El, or something like that. 
and uh, and then obviously he's, he's earthly father too because he's got a father on earth too but uh there's this interesting scene where superman uh, especially watch the scene from superman 2 which is like i think before i was born it was even out um <laughs> and i'm quite old already um but <laughs> the superman's kind of messed up and he's standing in this space this place where he can speak to his father it's that weird place where the kryptonite and all that kind of stuff and then um and he's crying out to his father, and he's saying he's messed up, and he doesn't know what to do. Uh, he's not done what he should do. And then there's this like way that he can speak to his father, and it's actually just a recording of his father's voice. And his father speaks about like it's okay, but the only way that we can go, you know, we can make this right is if the father becomes the son, and the son becomes the father. And there's this whole the father kind of comes in a hologram and like touches him and, and he becomes empowered again to, to become Superman, the Superman that we need. Um, there's so many movies. Uh, recently, Cora and myself were, were on a bit of a Brad Pitt binge. Um, weird, eh? But we, we, there's so many. He's been acting for so long and he's been in some really epic movies. Uh, so we went through a few that we knew and then actually even some that we didn't know. Um, Seven years in Tibet, I wasn't actually, I don't know if I ever watched it, but it was very interesting. But Legends of the Fall is a movie with a lot of like interaction between the father and his children um, and his sons. Uh, another few, I don't know if you've noticed, but How to Train Your Dragon even has an <laughs> interaction between the father and his children. Uh, the Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith, Guardians of the Galaxy, Star Wars, I mean, come on, <laughs> Darth Vader. Who saw that coming? Okay, you all saw it coming because it's an old movie. But Luke, I am your father. I can say that, by the way, because I've got a, I've got a Luke. My son is Luke. I thought very hard and long about that, that I could say, Luke, I am your father. But I, hopefully I'm not Darth Vader. Um, the Incredibles, Lion King, huge. Then if you think in the Bible, I mean, there's so many stories about fathers and their children and the tension between them, like Jacob and his children. I mean, imagine jo Joseph is his favorite child and all the tension that comes out of that. David and his sons, Absalom, and all these stories that come out of the word. Uh, Abraham and, and Isaac and Ishmael. I mean, just think about the tension there. Um, so there is this tension. There's always this tension in, in a relationship between his fa the father and his children. Um, and I kind of been thinking about that, like, what is that tension? Uh, and there's probably various reasons for it, but one of the main reasons, I think, is that there's a desire from the children for something from the father. And I think it's, for lack of a better word, his power, his, the power that he has as a father, and it's the desire for that from his children. But what's very interesting where it gets to be tension is that the children are desiring his power for their good or for their, what they think is their good. Let's rather say it like that. And then when the power that he exudes is not for their personal good, then there's the tension. It's like, no, you know, <laughs> I want the power of the Father, but it must be, you know, for me and, uh, and for, my, uh, for my betterment and for my goodness as I see fit. Um, but we've got to go into this... Um, it's very clear that there's also lots of misuse of power uh, by fathers around the world. Uh, it's 
very clear. I even think this, thinking about a lot, this whole movement in the world at the moment that's pushing back against the patriarchy, the, the leadership of men. Even the word patriarchy means father, the leadership of fathers, the leadership of men in the world. There's this pushback of like, you know, end the patriarchy or down with the patriarchy. Um, I think it's just highlighting that tension of the, the father figure and the world or, you know, that kind of, that relationship, that push and pull. Um, but there is, and there's also a reason for that outcry against the patriarchy because there is abuse. There is misuse of the power of the father. There is abuse. And there's neglect of the power of the father. There's absence of the power of the Father. A few shocking figures I have to share with you just to kind of create some context of this. There's a void also. So a void either in the abuse or the abuse of the Father um, or the the neglect and the absence of the Father. There's so many stats about what happens in families around the world. Some scary figures, but 63% of suicides in the world come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 40% of all children do not live with their biological fathers. 85%, 85% of children with behavioral problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of children who do not finish school come from fatherless homes. Then men commit uh, 91% of offenses against the family. So it's very clear that there's a misuse of power either in abuse or absence. And it has hugely adverse effects on, on individuals and families. Just to, I love definitions, uh, the definition of power, of the word power, is the ability or capacity to do something or to act in a certain way. Another definition is the ability or capacity, again, to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. So think about, like, what is, what is this power that the Father has? I think power, fathers have power for good and for evil. Unfortunately, they have the ability of both. The power for good and for evil. What's amazing in, in uh, research is also on the good side and the responsibility side is the intentional involvement of fathers and their children have proven an effect on the children's development, uh, children's cognitive development, emotional development, social development, physical development, and spiritual development. So a, a father who is present, who is involved, who gives that power that he needs to give, uh, has a huge effect on children. And then the seasons of children's lives, it's very interesting to, to know. Um, maybe some of you are aware of an organization called the World Needs a Father. Um, I was on a, we were on a camp, or a few of us were on a camp last year uh, where they were doing some training on some of the stuff, and they speak about the different seasons of a child's life and how that first six years especially is so important, like for input uh, in a child's life, in development of all those areas that we spoke about now. So just to touch base and make it more real, um, my father, his name is Roy Boltman. He um, passed away in 2020. He was born here in Johannesburg. 
in this beautiful city of gold. Grew up in Kensington, in the east of Joburg. Moved all around the, the, the country. Settled in Cape Town, where I met my mom. And we all grew up in Cape Town, our two older brothers. And he had, yeah, he passed away two years ago. He had deteriorating health for quite a few years. And uh, yeah, that's him. That's pretty much close to the end of his life. But sharing out of my own life, I remember like my desire, my whole my desire of his power for my good. Obviously, for good reasons and for bad reasons, but I had that desire. And to be honest with you guys, he withheld that power. He withheld that power mostly because he himself was a broken man. Okay? And he didn't know how to give that power. He didn't even know he had that power, I think. He was an alcoholic for most of my childhood, especially in my formative years. He stopped drinking and stopped altogether um, when I was about 13 he stopped drinking and actually at the same time really embraced God uh, loved God the rest of his life I'm super challenged and inspired by the fact that he would read the word every day he would have reading plans and he would just he really got into God's word so God really changed him and in many ways softened him um, yeah, he just really came alive. But what was very interesting to see is he, it's not like he now suddenly became super dad, you know. <laughs> but the small power, the little power that he had and that he could master in the rest of his life, he gave. The little bit of love that he could master, he gave. So he gave what he had, okay, in the rest of his life. But yeah, so I just, I just thought that was significant because we had, like, for the rest of, of my time with him um, in my adult years, there was still tension. You know, I don't think that tension goes away. I think there's always tension between parents and their kids, but especially fathers and their kids. Um, so there was still that tension, but there was at least God had done a work of redemption, and there was beautiful times of, of that kind of transaction of, of power and empowering from the father to his children. A, uh, a quote that I thought was quite powerful, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., he says, power without love is reckless and abusive, and love without power is sentimental and anemic. Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice, and justice at its best his power correcting everything that stands against love. I'm going to look for that quote later. Then in Ephesians 6 verse 4 it says, Fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel and admonition of the Lord. In other words, in another way, Paul's saying, don't use your authority to abuse the child, but encourage and build the child. So, especially Martin Luther King's uh, quote just touched on justice, and I just thought, like, 
sometimes justice can feel like far away, like lawyers deal with justice or whatever. No, um, the word just actually means based on or behaving according to what is morally right and fair. And I really believe that us as fathers, we have a, a role and a job to play in our children's lives in terms of helping them understand what is morally right and fair. And uh, as fathers, we can use our power and love to teach and discipline our children in the way that is morally right and fair. And there's a lot to say around discipline. Um, we're not going to get into that now, but I'll just say that I'm very much learning what discipline is, how to apply discipline. Um, it's, it's scary to have children that are growing up under me, and I feel like I'm very much learning on the job. Uh, <laughs> so we, we definitely need each other's encouragement and help, uh, advice. Um, but I'm still very much learning. What does that mean? Because, and that, that kind of summarizes it for me, that based on or behaving according to what is morally right and fair. And that's where we've got to spend time with God because we've got to know what is morally right and fair and then really apply that in our houses, in our homes, um, in that tender way. I just loved how, how that scripture said, rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel and admonition of the Lord. So, I, I think what's, where this takes us is pretty much if we can now have a look at God, especially God the Father, and kind of take these tensions and these human relationships and, and look at God and go, well, you know, do we apply these tensions or do we apply these even abuses and misuses onto God? I think we do. Um, should we? I don't think we should. But... Uh, but the two, one of the two arguments very strongly against uh, the existence of God, even, in the world, is that he is an abuser or is absent. Okay? Think about that. Think about, like, especially community, or just chatting to people. Um, and usually it's, it's out of a place of hurt. It's out of a place of feeling abused or feeling left behind, ab absent. Um, God, the Father in the Old Testament is many times seen as abusive, as a monster of sorts, uh, bloodthirsty and a type of dictator, wiping out whole people groups. Uh, there's a lot happening there. And what's very interesting is in the New Testament, uh, Jesus tells a parable about the talents. And in that parable, the guy who hid his talent um, said, but I perceived you as a hard taskmaster. So Jesus is almost like addressing <laughs> You know, is this your view of God, that he's a hard taskmaster? And uh, I think Jesus did a lot in the way of coming to show us who the Father, God the Father, really is. And we'll get that into that now. He's also accused of being distant or absent. <laughs> I think of that song, God is watching us, you know, from a distance. <laughs> it's like the worst song ever. <laughs> And I don't think it's true. <laughs> From a distance. It's a great song, but horribly wrong. Um, what does the Bible say about the Father? Uh, I thought, let's just take a few steps back and just remind ourselves that we believe in a trinity. 
Can I tell you how difficult it is to explain to, some ch to your children? It's very difficult. It's trying, Luke's been asking me a lot of questions about God. Um, he's been asking me difficult questions about how do we know that we are serving the right God? That's <laughs> a difficult one. So I can only say he's revealed himself. He's revealed himself not just uh, generally uh, through history, but I, I believe he's revealed himself to me. Um, and then to get into the Trinity is technical and it's hard, but we do serve and we worship a, a Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we're going to just hone in a little bit on God the Father. A lot of the commentaries um, I just touched on speak about what is unique about God the Father. One attribute is his life his life giving he's uh, the technical term is also active generator um, or he takes the initiative in creation in redemption in many things as you read through the word and think about God the Father but he's always taking the initiative he's always the one kind of actively just making the first move um, there's a lot we can unpack there but what I wanted to focus on is what we touched on in the beginning is power and love and looking at it especially in God the Father and how does he exude or how does this power and this love kind of show, show itself in him. Another quote I found, uh, I've got this really cool book uh, called The Good God. It says, Enjoying Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, it's by a guy named Michael Reeves. You can definitely go and look for it. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm finding that I'm actually very interested in who God is because I don't want to uh, be stuck with areas that I believe about God that aren't true. So, <laughs> and I think that's a noble kind of thing that we can all look at is really uh, in our praying, in our spending time in the Word, really just keep going, who are you really, God? Show me who you are and deliver me from any false ideas of who you are. Um, we, I think we must do that. And we'll be liberated when we do it. But in this book, just after the Second World War, uh, there was a theologian named Karl Barth. And here's a quote from him, which is quite, uh, quite something. It says, Perhaps, perhaps you recall how, when Hitler used to speak about God, he called him the Almighty. Now you've got to follow carefully. But it is not the Almighty who is God. We cannot understand from the standpoint of a supreme concept of power who God is. And the man who calls the Almighty God misses God in the most terrible way. For the Almighty is bad, as power in itself is bad. The Almighty means chaos, evil, the devil. We could not better describe and define the devil than by trying to think this idea of a self-based, free, sovereign ability. Now, Karl Barth was not absolutely denying, he was not denying that God is Almighty. But he wanted to make it very clear that mere might is not who God is. And that's where we can kind of get it wrong in terms of thinking that God is abusive because of his power. I mean, he is he's incredibly powerful. 
But we mustn't kind of think that that's, that's, this is who God is. If we think of the Almighty, it's almost like saying that's all he is. He is powerful. So that's from this book Michael Reeves that wrote on the good God. He goes on in the book to say that in the beginning of creation, his argument is that God, in the beginning of creation, doesn't introduce himself to the world as a ruler. And he goes on to explain why not. And then he doesn't introduce himself even as the creator. He actually introduces himself as the father. And there's a lot that you can kind of go and read about that. Something, um, now this is where we get to what Jesus would te- was teaching us about the Father. In John 17, uh, I went through the high priestly prayer again just of Jesus, between Jesus and the Father. And there's so much that you can lift out of there. And if you think about it, this is pure theology of the Father, of Father God. Um, Jesus is sharing this, or he's praying this, and he's interacting with God and telling us so much about who God the Father is and about who God is. Um, but here's just two verses from John 17. It says, I am, Now I am departing from the world, Jesus says. They are staying in the world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost, except for the one headed to destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Yeah, I I think something that stood out for me reading that is just the protection. I love that. Like, now protect them by the power of your name. I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. There's that power of God and protection. Beautiful. I don't know if you know the story of Martin Luther. He was very, very instrumental in, uh, in the, Re- the Reformation. And he was pretty much the Roman Catholic monk who nailed his 90, 99 thesis, 95 thesis, or his, his kind of 95 points on the door of a church to say that he doesn't, be- doesn't agree with these teachings in the Roman Catholic Church. Um, but what was very interesting about his life, uh, just personally, and it's a good movie called Luther uh, with, I think it's uh, Joseph Fiennes uh, plays Luther. Very good movie. But he had a time in his life where he, um, he actually hated God. He was a monk, but he ha- hated God. And I just want to read to you this from the book. It says, The reformer Martin Luther knew well how much the fatherhood of God changes the shape of salvation and all our thoughts about God. As a monk, his mind was filled with the knowledge that God is righteous and hates sin, but he failed to see any further into who God is, what his righteousness is, and why he hates sin. The result, he said, was that I did not love, yes, I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners and secretly, if not blasphemously, certainly murmuring greatly, I was angry with God. Not knowing God as a kind and willing father, a God who brings us close, Luther found that he could not love him. 
He and his fellow monks transferred their affections to Mary and various other saints. It was them that they would love and to them they would pray. That changed when he began to see God as a fatherly God who shares, who gives to us his righteousness, glory, wisdom, and wisdom. Looking back late in his life, he reflected that as a monk, he had not actually been worshiping the right God. For it was not enough, he said, to know God as the creator and judge. Only when God is known as a loving father is he known as a right. For although the whole world has most carefully sought to understand the nature, mind, and activity of God, it has had no success in this whatsoever. But God has revealed himself and disclosed the deepest profundity of his fatherly heart, his sheer inexpressible love. Through sending his son to bring us back to himself, God has revealed himself to be inexpressibly loving and supremely fatherly. What Luther found was that not only does that give us great assurance and joy, it also wins our hearts to him. For we may look into his fatherly heart and sense how boundlessly he loves us. That would warm our hearts, setting them aglow with thankfulness. In the salvation of this God, we see a God we can really love. And that just goes into the second part. So I think what I feel is that there's this power. Human fathers, God the Father. Huge, incredible power. Uh, looks different, obviously very different between earthly and heavenly father. But then there's this love. And the love is what keeps this power under control. Um, I don't know if you know, but in uh, Matthew 5, I think it's 5 verse 5, it says, Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And uh, I looked up meek in the dictionary and it's not a good word it speaks about being a coward it speaks about being <laughs> like kind of just very soft and like nothing happening but the greek uh, definition of the word meek is power under full control and i just think if you think of god as being the ultimate meek i, I remember my mom used to teach us this prayer gentle jesus meek and mild and uh, look upon this little child. And, um, and now thinking about it again this week, I'm going, jeepers, was she teaching us good theology there? Or, <laughs> <laughs> or was it bad theology? I don't know. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want a gentle Jesus, but do I want it? Maybe I do need a gentle Jesus. <laughs> um, but, yeah, meekness. Uh, so I just think of love, the love of God that... that, uh, that keeps the power under, under perfect control um, and how I think of myself as a father and how I desire both the power to be a good father but also the love that is necessary to, to apply that power in the perfect way and, or in the way that's necessary for, for my children. Um, I just uh, on the side, last weekend I was driving to church uh, in the evening, uh, for the evening service and I remember I was having a few gripes in my head going, the worship writers, the songwriters these days, they just focus on Jesus. Like, why are there not more songs about the Father and the Holy Spirit? And I was like, oh, I, was a bit, I was a bit frustrated. And, um, and then that night, our last song was, Jesus, we love you. And, uh, and, and then Henny was preaching, and 
Um, he was preaching from Philippians 2. And then I just read to the end. And I got to this verse, and I, I had to repent and, and uh, humble myself a bit. Uh, because it says, Therefore God has elevated him, Jesus, to the highest place of honor. And given him the name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father. And that just took me apart on the inside. Because us worshipping Jesus is to the glory of the Father. So it's about the Father. goes back to the Father. Worship and honor of Jesus is to the glory of the Father. If you think, I, I don't think about this much, but what was, what was God doing before the creation? And this is where I believe we have a unique God in Christianity and one that is not the same as any other God in this whole world. And we have to stand on that and dig into it and enjoy it and talk about it. Because God, before creation, was loving his son. God the Father was loving his son. And that's the source of love in this world. That's why it says God is love. Because he was loving before creation. In a, it's just amazing again, going back to the high priestly prayer. In John 17, from verse 23, Jesus says, I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. I think uh, there's something here that we can maybe dig into another day, but I just love this perfect unity. And I think where the perfect unity I think that's God's glory, is that perfect unity, especially the perfect unity of the Trinity. And what's so beautiful is it's, it modeled to us unity and diversity, because the Trinity is diverse, but it's united. God is one, but God is three. Perfect unity. And that love that flows between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit is just something that we can sit and think about and draw strength from for the rest of our lives. It's why God can say so many things that he says to us in Scripture. I think in terms of us as earthly fathers, I think the essence of being a father is what you choose to do with the power that's been given to you. And that's our responsibility. And can I say honestly, it's very hard. It's very difficult to be a father. It's very difficult to be a good father. 
but I believe it's possible and I believe we can grow in it and we can improve and we can look at God the Father and we can speak to fathers around us and, uh, and help each other to become better fathers. I believe we have the power and I believe the Father has a magnetic kind of power. It's a weird power. It's like, and I say weird, but it's like, it's just something mysterious about it in terms of that, mag, it's like a magnet. Um, I've seen it with my children. Um, I enjoy it because they, they, they love, you know, just arriving at home uh, some nights from work, like uh, actually pretty much every night they would either come out the door or be waiting just inside the door for me. Or they just blurt out something that they wanted to tell me straight away. So there's something that's ama amazing and special there in terms of that magnet. Mag I don't even know if there's a word magnicity or something, but, <laughs> but of, of the power of the Father. Um, and I believe that we have a power from our position, which is going back to the definition of power, it's our capacity. So we have a position as a father, and we have a function as a father, which is our ability. And that's the position we have. It's the ability that we can grow in and that we can get better in. I also want to just encourage us and say that like my father, Roy Boltman, um, some of us here might also come from broken families, families without fathers. But what is special is that there's redemption. And Jesus came to redeem us. The Father was took the initiative in redeem redeeming us. And He helps us. He empowers us. And I think in some ways, if we can measure ourselves, we would probably find that we lack in power, or we lack in love, or we lack in both. But we can ask God, and He will help us, and He will give us what we need, and He will walk with us every day in terms of being better at, what, at being fathers. It might take time to feel powerful again. But just know that in love, using your power for good will be both in God's perfect design and be powerful in the future of your children. Those of you who are men here and are not fathers yet, also please learn and think about these things. How do we become better as fathers? I think one, one step is, is necessary and difficult, and that's repentance. I think we have to repent. I think we have to repent towards God and repent towards our families where we feel, feel that we have failed them, and we have to be humble. I think last week's sermon was really powerful on humility uh, and the way of Jesus in Philippians 2. And that's for all of us. But I cannot think for myself at least any other way to be a better father than to constantly be in repentance. Because that's almost like part of humility. And then to be humble in my relationship with my family. God is ultimately our good and perfect father. And in revealing himself to us, his power and his love, he has started to love us as his children. Know that all of us sitting here, we are the children of God. 
the perfect father, the father that perfectly displays and pours out his power into our lives and with his love. He does it perfectly. So even if you're here today and you grew up without a father or with a father that abused or was absent or misused his power, know that God is perfect. We sang about it earlier. And know that he is tangible and real, very real. He's not absent. And he is not abusive. Yes, Father, we just thank you this morning for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that we even take that scripture and that uh, one of the commandments that says, honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life. And we even apply it to you and we honor you this morning, God, as our father. We say thank you for what you do for us, what you've done for us and what you do for us as our father, our protector, our provider, the one who nourishes us in so many ways, who teaches us, who disciplines us. Lord, we even thank you for the discipline. And we say again that we need your discipline, Lord. We want to know what is morally right. We want to know what is right and wrong in your eyes, God. We want to live in this world reflecting you as best we can. And we rely on you in that. But God, we thank you. We thank you for all these good things that you pour out in our lives. And this morning, we even... Some of us here, God, even come to you again. We say, I did not see you like that before. But today I see you like that. I see you as the perfect father, the one that has always had my back and that will always have my back. The one that is full of power, power to change things, power to provide and protect, power for what I need as you know best, Father. And love. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you that your love was there before the creation of the world. And your love was displayed and revealed into the world in so many ways and is being revealed into the world. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.